Disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. This podcast is in no way intended to replace therapy or used to self-diagnose. The information and tips on this podcast are from my experience dealing with mental illness, my time with my therapist so far, and research I have done on my own. Contact me if you find any information that needs to be corrected. My email is in the description of the episode. Hello there, listeners. My name is Kylie. I want to thank the few people who are supporting me by listening to this podcast, namely my family. (laughs) Um, But if there is anyone else out there listening that isn't related to me, then thank you so much for that too. (laughs) I appreciate you too. So what's in store for this episode? Well, if you couldn't tell from the title, I'm going to talk about three avenues that you can use to express and cope with your sick brain. Finding ways to express and learning to cope with your mind are aspects of what therapy is. When people hear the word therapy though, a lot of people imagine laying down on a couch talking about your feelings while a man or a woman sits in a chair next to you and scribbles away in a tiny notebook. The reality of therapy is obviously very, very different. It's really annoying how wrong the media actually portrays therapy, the therapist, and the patients in general. Depending on the person and the reasons that they go to therapy, speaking aloud like in that therapy session stereotype is not the only way to express and cope with things that need to be addressed. Crying also isn't the only way. For example, speaking about past trauma can at times be too traumatic to speak about, or chronic illness can build up negativity inside of you that just can't quite be spoken, or quite simply, you just don't want to talk about it. Personally, there are a lot of times when I just want to sit and cry my eyes out, but I just can't seem to physically get myself over the edge to actually cry. So a lot of time I'm stuck in something of an emotional limbo. I want desperately to cry and let it all out, but I just can't get myself to. For feelings that you feel can't be spoken, here are some ways that you can cope and express yourself without very much speech at all. I will cover traditional art, music, and nature as our three top ways of expression and coping. If you have any other ideas of coping mechanisms that you want me to cover in the future, um, you can tweet me or you can email me. My Twitter is at sickbrainpod and my email is sickbrainpodcast at gmail.com. Let's take our first subject now, art. So here's a quote from Rosalie Rebello Pratt's article, Art, Dance, and Music Therapy. As always, link to it will be in the episode description. Quote, Art therapy was first organized in the 1930s. At the beginning of the 20th century, psychiatrists studied the artwork of patients to see if there was a link between the art and the illness of their patients. At the same time, art educators were discovering that the free and spontaneous art expression of children represented both emotional and symbolic communications. Since then, the profession of art therapy has grown into an effective and important method of communication, assessment, and treatment with many populations." Art therapy has proven to be a highly legitimate treatment tool. That article also points out that research on art therapy over the past decade has been done for psychological issues as well as physical illnesses. As I was doing research of the benefits of art therapy, I came across a lot of studies done on the effects of art therapy on cancer patients. 
One of those recorded studies, titled Relieving Symptoms in Cancer, Innovative Use of Art Therapy, is a good example of one of those articles. It was recorded in February of 2006, and if you want to know the names of who all was involved, the link to it is in the description as always. Here's a quote from it concerning the results of the study. Quote, the results provided further evidence of the benefits of art therapy, as there were significant reductions in symptoms and overall state anxiety after a one-hour art therapy intervention. Although there was a decrease in most symptoms, a particularly surprising finding of the study was the reduction in tiredness expressed by these subjects. Despite reporting significant tiredness immediately prior to the therapy and using energy during the therapy session, subjects described significant reduction in this tiredness at the end of the intervention. Subjects made numerous anecdotal comments that the art therapy had energized them." Unquote. Clearly, art can be an effective treatment and coping mechanism. Granted, art treatment may not be the solution for everyone, as everyone is different and it, of course, won't cure a chronic illness. Personally, though, it is very effective in relieving my anxiety and depression symptoms. And it's worked for other people I know as well, people both with mental and chronic illness. It's also helped me to accept more readily that it's okay not to be perfect all the time, as, of course, my art skills are limited. Now, you probably want to know what different artistic activities you or someone that you know can try for relief. I have a few listed. But before I do that, keep this in mind. You do not have to be a phenomenal artist to do any of these things. Any form that you create your art in is great just the way it is because you created it from your emotion. And really, that's all art is, emotion. So here's the list. 1. You could paint or draw your emotion as a person, an animal, or a creature. I've done this before, and it's actually a lot of fun and does bring relief. Number 2. Maybe you feel like you have different sides of yourself. So maybe paint or draw the different sides that you feel that you have. Number 3. Paint or draw yourself as a tree. Then label your good qualities in the roots, then label the things that you want to change on the leaves. Number four, create an abstract picture with what you feel. If you feel angry, slash at your page or canvas with a color of anger on the brush over and over and over until you feel better. If you feel sad, let your sadness guide your pen or pencil in the way that it wants to go. In the end, you'll get an abstract image that is covered in emotional throw up. Number five, mind mapping. Mind mapping is a way to visually organize information. You can use it to map out your feelings or your goals. You can also use it to analyze the emotional path that led you to a certain way that you feel. If you want to learn more about mind mapping, there's a link to a website in the episode description that will explain more about mind mapping and how to do it. You don't have to stick to the instructions either, just make it your own. Number six. Draw or paint a place that makes you feel happy, safe, or content. For me, a picture that comes to mind is a park scene in the summer. Just a bench with fluffy grass surrounding it with a few large trees shadowing me and the squirrels. That's what contentment is to me, at least at the moment. Alright, and there's seven ideas for traditional art to get the ball rolling for you. My next category, music. The study titled Effects of a Music Therapy Strategy on Depressed Older Adults by Suzanne B. Hanzer and Larry W. Thompson stated that the data collected, quote, 
support the use of music listening techniques with those who have limited access to treatment, unquote. So if you're unable to get the proper therapy treatment, music can be a source of comfort. However, you can't replace therapy treatment with listening to music. Music can just prove to be a helpful coping mechanism until you can get the therapy treatment you need. Or, if you don't think you need therapy treatment, music can still help you through dark times. What music is best for you to listen to? Really, most music works, anything that you like. Widen your horizons even and try listening to music that you don't usually listen to. Try old jazz or classical music for an hour while you clean or something. In fact, while I was writing the notes to this episode, I was listening to classical music. Mozart and Beethoven are good composers to listen to for brain health. There is music that some people listen to and tend to think that it's too depressing to listen to, but then there are others that listen to that same exact music and could listen to it all day because what the singer is saying is something that they can relate to. I even listen to music like that, and it's a comfort to me because it reminds me that I'm not alone in my problems. If others are dealing with the same internal struggle as I am, it makes dealing with it just a little bit easier. One thing I do want to say though, not all, quote, depressing music is good for us to listen to. What? You're thinking? But you just supported me listening to my depressing music. You're right, I did and I still do. But there is a difference between depressing slash relatable music and self-destructive music. If you're listening to songs that encourage self-destructive or self-deprecating behavior, I'd recommend staying away from that stuff. I'll, I'll leave determining what self-destructive music is to you. You can judge that for yourself. Now, after the break, we're going to talk about how nature can be an effective coping mechanism. We'll be back in a moment. So it wasn't until I edited in that slurp sound effect that I realized I completely forgot to get myself some tea before I, res- before I started recording. I cannot believe myself. <laughs> but, I mean, I have, I have sparkling water. Does that count? Great way to start, you know, the second episode of this podcast, huh? Where I'm supposed to be drinking tea. Anyway. Back to our discussion. How we can use nature as a coping mechanism. The outdoors can have a lot of impact on our moods and mental state. I mean, just take seasonal depression, SAD, for example. Not everyone has this, but a lot do. SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, is experiencing depression during a certain time of year or experiencing uh, enhanced depression during a certain time of year. A majority of people feel it in the winter, however, a small amount can feel it in the summer as well. When people feel it in the winter, they feel it when the scenery and the temperature starts to change. In many places, the landscape goes from green and blue to gray and white. Everything looks like it's dying. Cloudy days are much more common, it's cold, and the weather is just plain old gross. Those things, and the lack of sunshine, has a negative impact on an imperfect human brain. Then when summer comes back, the depression is relieved, or if it's the other way around, when winter comes back, the depression is relieved. Nature can have both positive and negative effects on our imperfect and sick brains. However, I believe that the positive very much outweighs the negative. 
Studies show that spending time outdoors relieves stress, improves memory, lowers blood sugar, helps you be more creative, and helps you to focus more, along with a lot of other benefits. What things can we do in nature to experience the positive effect? One simple thing can just be going for a walk outside, or regularly going for walks outside. Walking increases your brain activity, and if you feel down or tired, going for a walk outdoors can actually increase your energy. Strange how that works, isn't it? When our brain is making us feel tired, moving our body can make it not feel so tired. When I go for a walk outside when depressed or anxious, I notice a positive change in how I feel just simply by breathing in the fresh outdoor air. There's something about it that just gives me mind space, even in the winter. Want to mix an artistic factor in with nature? Try this easy activity that I remember doing in school. Grab a crayon, any color that you want, and just regular printer paper. Then find a textured surface outside. Place the paper over the surface and tightly hold it in place. Be sure that the surface is dry or else this won't work. Then scribble the crayon over the paper on the textured surface and ta-da! You have a texture pattern on your page. Now that activity might seem too simple or even a little bit childish, but it can be nice if you just want a somewhat mindless activity to do outside besides walking. Let it bring out the exploring inner child in you, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that by the way. Or if you want to put that art journaling idea into practice, coloring over textures can be a cool addition to your journal. Want to do something even more involved? What about going to a local greenhouse? Even when your nearest store works, you don't have to buy anything, just go in for the sake of looking and taking all the vegetation in. Breathe in the smell of the dirt and plants. It can be refreshing. What about something even more involved? Ever thought of planting a few potted plants? Or even planting a whole garden? Gardening can not only help you emotionally, but also physically. You can increase your hand strength and could even be counted as your regular exercise. Also, caring for plants, especially ones that you can glean produce from, can have a great effect on your brain. Not only can you get a sense of accomplishment, but there's also a sense of companionship with your plant or plants. Yes, I said companionship. Plants can be your friends too. Now if you want to do this but don't know the first thing about gardening, just do your research. As I mentioned about art journaling before, Pinterest also has great ideas, tips, and instructions on planting your first plants or your first garden. And remember, just have fun with it. Don't make it something that you stress out about. Start with just one potted plant, and if you want, work your way up to a garden. Learn about your plants, learn what they need, how much water is enough for them, and if you so desire, just name them. There's nothing wrong with naming them, talking to them, and befriending them. I mean, I've done it before. I've found that caring for a plant has similar effects to that of caring for a pet, only you don't need to clean up any poo. There they are, three avenues that you can use to express yourself and cope with your sick brain. Like I said in the beginning, if you have any other ideas of expression or coping mechanisms that you want me to cover, tweet me or email me. My Twitter is at sickbrainpod. My email is sickbrainpodcast at gmail.com. Both of those are in the description. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much. And do you want a cookie? Why not subscribe, comment, and or share this podcast? I guarantee you that the cookie you receive will be well worth it. And there's also something that I forgot to mention in the last episode. 
Do you want to support me and this podcast even more than you already do by listening to it? You can donate to me to keep this podcast going. Go to anchor.fm slash sickbrainbro slash support. There, you can choose from three monthly donation options. Your support will help this podcast keep on growing and help me have an episode ready every Monday. Even if all you can donate each month is a dollar, every little bit helps. The link I mentioned before will be at the very top of the episode description. Remember, you're not alone in helping your brain grow. We all have sick brains, bro. All sources used in the making of this episode are cited in the description. The beginning and end theme music for this podcast was done by Kai Robbins on Fiverr.com. Still not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. That's K-Y-R-O-B-I-N-S. His Fiverr profile link is in the description of every episode.